0: Welcome, I'm Connor Beaton and this is The Man Talk Show, training for men and answers for women. Joining me today is Gabe Kennedy, who is a co-founder of Plant People. He is an award-winning chef turned entrepreneur who grew up in Boulder, Colorado, where he developed an affinity for plant-based nutrition, sustainability, and alternative wellness approaches from a very early age. He began his career at the age of 14, working in local restaurants, and his passion for health led him to graduate from the Culinary Institute of America and Cornell University. A rising talent in the culinary world, Gabe won ABC's primetime cooking competition series, The Taste, was named visiting executive chef of Bon Appetit magazine and reimagined the Little Beat restaurant as director of culinary and innovation. Um, which, by the way, Little Beat Restaurant, if you are ever in New York, you should definitely go check out. Uh, Vian and I have dined there a few times and absolutely love it. It's an incredible, incredible food. Uh, and they're not even paying me to say that. So <laughs> they're getting some some free shout-outs right now. Uh, this is like a TripAdvisor uh, <laughs> recommendation on the podcast. Uh, anyway, Gabe and I uh, dive into a few different topics. So, in the beginning of the show, you know, we talk a little bit of his, about his background. He had a really terrible uh, accident and injury early on in his life that caused him to have to heal and source out different forms and different modalities of healing. Uh, Luckily, his parents were both immersed in that space in acupuncture and nutrition and health, um, I think, uh, massage therapy. And so he was really immersed in this space from a very, very early age. And so the beginning of the podcast, we sort of talk about some of these alternative healing modalities and why they're so important. And we very quickly get into the topic of CBD and honestly i'm i'm not even kidding you uh, gabe is by far one of the most studied and intelligent people that i have come across on the topic of cbd and it's why i actually wanted to have him on the show and this is going to be part 1 of a two part series where we talk about hemp cbd and then thc so this podcast specifically looks at uh, CBD and the different types of CBDs, because I, I mean, I did not even know, but there are a whole bunch of different types of cannabinoids. And so we kind of get into that. We talk about some of the science, some of the research. Uh, His company, Plat People, is one of the only companies that actually uh, does very rigorous testing on the CBD products that they create. And it's all available on their website, which is actually amazing. Uh, So you can go and, and look and see exactly what's in their products. Um, again, he's not. <laughs> the plant people has has not uh, uh, sponsored this podcast in any way. This is just a topic that I'm actually quite interested in because as more cannabinoid products come out on the market, CBD products and THC products, um, there's not a lot of regulation. And there it's sort of like the wild, wild west. And I think what a lot of people within this space have started to say is that they're putting up red flags of saying, hey, a lot of the CBD products that are out there are not regulated. They're not very good quality. Uh, people aren't really labeling what they're putting in the products. And the consumer is doesn't really know if they're getting a quality product or not. And so Gabe and I start to dig really deep into the cannabis space to help you, the listener, understand what the benefits of these might be from a health perspective, but also to start to differentiate between what some of the good products on the market are and what to look out for when you are potentially looking into the the, the cannabis space, the hemp space. So uh, this is part one of two and thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoy this podcast don't forget to share it and before i bring gabe on just a quick note as a reminder uh we just released the man talks men's weekend in upstate new york uh we are i think already a quarter uh, sold out. We just launched it yesterday. So if you are wanting to come and do some work with me, uh, Trevor Boehm from uh, Men Uncivilized will also be there as well. So if you're want wanting to come do some work with me and an incredible group of men in upstate New York, then head on over to com. And uh, go to the Work With Me page and sign up for the Men's Weekends. Uh, there is only a few spots left, and I would love to have you there. So with that in mind, and without any further delay, please welcome Gabe Kennedy. Thank you so much, Connor. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. I've I've known you for a while, and uh, I really... Really love what you have to say. I mean, I've, I've you know heard you speak on a number of topics from food to cannabis. And there's a, a few things that I wanted to dive into here and uh, with you on a, a few different subject matters, because I feel like you have a wealth of information uh, to offer on a, a few different areas. But before we sort of dive into the the meat and potatoes of things um, pun intended let's <laughs> let's just start with the with the question that I ask all my guests which is tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today
1: all right yeah wonderful well thanks for the the generous intro. I would say that you know one of the defining uh, moments in my early age was a pretty bad ski accident that I had growing up in Colorado. I was a ski racer, uh, and I ended up breaking my back, obliterating my disc, and sort of creating some some uh, structural challenges that were with me for over a decade and a half. And so through those fifteen, through that fifteen years plus. Uh, and experiencing multiple back surgeries and multiple procedures, I was really able to circumvent the traditional pharmaceutical route and do that by celebrating the power of plants. And that really introduced me to plant-based nutrition, to herbalism, to alternative medicine, and to cannabis. And what I do now with plant people is uh, largely, you know, an amalgamation of those different modalities and all those experiences. So. Uh, if I look back, that was kind of like the moment that really did put me on a path that I still am on
0: today. I appreciate that, man. I mean, tell me maybe a little bit more about what happened in in the accident. Like how how old were you?
1: Yeah, I was, you know, I was in my like my early teens. Um, but growing up in 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 Boulder, I had really great access to the mountains. So, you know, I would be able to go up skiing nearly every day before school or sometimes get out of school early to go. Uh, And I was training for the junior Olympics and I just sort of landed wrong. And it wasn't, you know, this all of a sudden, it wasn't this, this ouch, I can't move. Um, But it did progressively get worse over uh, the next few days. And I remember waking up and not being able to put on my socks. Like I couldn't sit up in bed. Uh, And I was in excruciating pain, and so my parents actually, you know, carried me uh, to the car, and I had to lay down, you know, in the back seat as we drove, uh, you know, hours back back home. And you know, that time I was actually able to, kind of, I didn't actually have a surgery, but uh, you know, a few years thereafter, I did. I was I was playing soccer, and all of a sudden, um, I just it felt like something exploded in my back, and I it became pretty bad. So, um, that happened a few, a few times over the course of my young adult life. And, you know, there's nothing like an injury like that to, uh, reset and recalibrate and remember what's really important and health is wealth. It's really everything, but it was a you know, through that experience, I learned obviously the importance of health. I, you know, was able to explore the power of plants. Um, Both my parents are in alternative medicine. So my mom is an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. My father's a chiropractor and acupuncturist, but I really also learned the, the need to ask for help. And so that was a really kind of amazing silver lining, which was these realizations that we all need help, um, in being, willing to ask for it when you need it is really powerful because prior to that i was always used to doing things on my own you know
0: yeah man i mean i I, we have uh an online group that we that i that i run for for guys from around the world called the alliance and one of the guys in there just had shoulder surgery and and he's sort of like completely immobilized and uh just on the call this morning he was kind of chuckling about about how this is sort of Forced him into the space of asking for support. And he's, you know, sort of acknowledging that that's a huge challenge that he had in the past was just asking for help and asking for support. And he said, you know, it's not, there's nothing Mm -hmm. like being forced into a situation where you can't put on your own pants or, you know, like go, go to the bathroom by yourself. And so you're kind of like forced into this situation where you have to ask for help, but it can be not only very humbling, but very revealing about the power and the importance of getting support from the people around you. So, um, can, can you just give the listeners, you know, who, who shows up for you? I think yeah, is a, is a whole other level. Or layer. Yeah, absolutely. Can you give a little bit of context to what it's like? Because I feel like back injuries are so, you know, prevalent, and I feel like a lot of people go through that. Maybe not even just having a back injury, but having something that's sort of chronic going on within your body that's causing an immense amount of pain, and what that's like to be in that body because I think a lot of us have people in our lives that have a form of chronic illness or Mm -hmm. have back pain or shoulder or knee pain and it's something that can really sort of plague the mind and and be something Mm -hmm. that consumes us and so what what was that experience like for you when you were going through it when when that pain was there and how did you start to cope with it
1: yeah I mean I think fundamentally like a back issue is or a back issue is fundamentally destabilizing right like we talk about backbone we talk about you know, sort of being, being able to stand tall. And that to me, energetically really lies in the back. And so personally having a back injury was largely destabilizing, not only from a physical perspective, but also from a mental and emotional perspective, you know, and, and especially that happening at such a young age, when I felt as though I should be extraordinarily healthy and vital and, you know, layer on the other, context of both my parents being in, you know, these healing modalities. um, It it was somewhat ironic, but that I had to go through these things. But, you know, it's something that I learned to live with and I learned to listen to my body. I learned to understand what works and what doesn't work for me. You know, especially now as I'm a bit older, I can notice if I feel, feel more inflamed after I'm eating a lot of, you know, sugar or drinking alcohol or, um, not really having a, a very clean diet, I'm able to recognize the movements and the activities that work well for my body and that don't work well for my body. And as much as I would love to just be a runner and and <laughs> and run and like be able to have that be my fitness regimen, it just doesn't really agree with me. And so I think that you know the lessons that I've learned from this injury and being able to work through it over the you know, over a few decades, a decade plus is really being able to honor and pay attention to uh, my own body and my own process, and then figure out ways in which I can support that, um, that are in my control, right? What do I eat? How do I, right? How do I move? And how do I utilize, you know, movement and nutrition and uh, mental health to, to really overcome it? And that has, and also like reframing, I think pain is really interesting. And it's something that I've been exploring more with, you know, I for so many years felt extraordinarily fragile. And what I have now felt in the last few years is, um, I've, I've felt much more strength and that came from reframing being sore or, um, you know, being sore, or being in a little bit of pain as, just simply getting stronger. Right. Because I know like on a, on a, on a movement level and like the the physiology, like what is okay and what's safe for me to do and what isn't safe for me to do. So as long as I can work within that realm of being safe and respectful to my body, if I'm sore, it's just because I'm getting stronger. It's not because I'm actually endangering myself. And that's been a really um, remarkable shift.
0: Awesome, man. I mean, I think one of the things that you touched on there that I'd love to learn a little bit more about is this idea of inflammation. I've, I've heard it sort of talked about quite a bit. And you mentioned just sort of a few things that add to that inflammation. But can you just unpack what maybe what inflammation is a little bit more and, and what sort of foods can can cause it and lead to it and, and it, why it's an important thing to know about?
1: I mean, I think that I notice, uh, I notice inflammation largely from, from my diet, um, but, but you know, the idea of inflammation is the body becoming, uh, you know, swollen or hot or painful. You know, I think I associate inflammation with kind of in, infection, but in, in the case of more like chronic um, inflammation, right, it's just our body is simply inflamed. I actually don't know how I would define it without using the word inflamed in it. Um, I think it has, has to do with, you know, white blood cells, um, sort of going to areas, but I'm, I'm actually not a scientist in that, in that, uh, or a doctor in, in, in that category, but you know, the idea of soothing and cooling inflammation, uh, through, through diet in my experience has largely been around reducing sugars, reducing refined carbohydrates, reducing processed foods, being able to use food as medicine, Right, the idea of turmeric, but when you are able, right, and, and turmeric being an anti-inflammatory, but being able to couple turmeric with a little bit of a pepperin compound, right, these compounds found in black pepper, accelerates the bioavailability of that turmeric by over two thousand percent. And so, I would I would say that you know my support through inflammation has largely come through diet. It's been it's come it comes from supplements and and incorporating. You know, anti-inflammatories such as hemp or uh, turmeric into my daily regimen, and then making sure that I can just kind of keep my systems moving. But when I do drink alcohol, when I do eat a lot of sugar or refined refined carbohydrates, I notice uh, a little bit more stiffness, a little bit more soreness, a little bit more like kind of swelling or soreness. And when I stay away from those things, I don't. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. I mean, it's it's one of those things where this is something that I started to learn quite a bit about just by being, you know, interviewing people on the show and tuning into my own body. And it's one of the things that over time I've learned is really um, sort of like a degenerative process that happens in our body. That when inflammation is present, it is harder for our muscles to repair. It's harder for our joints to function. Um, I mean, it really has like a wide ranging effect, and I, you know, I think you're you're right in in the sense that uh, yeah, I've noticed it in my body as like heat, like actual heat, and it usually has come you know after I've eaten a lot of sugars or drink drank alcohol. I mean, I I stopped drinking alcohol last year. Um, so it's been, it's been a while since I drank and I've, I've never felt better. It like really is quite incredible, but, Mm. but from everything that I've started to read, like inflammation in the body is really a degenerative process that that is not necessarily good for us. Mm. And, and so being able to, to work with that and notice where it's showing up is not only important, but then finding the, the, like the food that we can eat that's Mm going to help combat that inflammation. And so Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned turmeric there, but what are some of the other, uh, what are some of the other things that we can consume or take in that that are going to help fight and combat inflammation?
1: Well, yeah. And before I jump into that, the one thing, just kind of jumping off of your point, which I think is really interesting. When I think of inflammation, I probably should have led with this. When I think of inflammation, I actually think of the body simply being out of balance. Um, Because if I apply the idea of inflammation, even to my emotional state, Right, like I'm, I'm inflamed. I am upset. I am irritable. I am angry. Right, I, it's just simply not being in tune and not being aligned. So I, I I think that the idea of inflammation is even more interesting when yes, we can observe it on a cellular level and we can, you know, eat for, uh, you know, reducing inflammation, but the idea of also being able to look at inflammation on an emotional level is something that I am also exploring. But yeah, I mean, I, I think like, what are the ways to cool inflammation? Um, I think that diet is a huge, uh, you know, a, a huge opportunity, right? We can reduce inflammation by eating fewer inflammatory foods um, and eating more anti-inflammatory foods. Uh, and I think that the, you know, the interesting part about that is, you know, food that tend to be more nutrient dense and foods that can tend to contain antioxidants, uh, tend to also be anti-inflammatory. So, you know, it really is about being able to introduce a balanced diet into, uh, into your regimen where we're, we're not indulging with, with, you know, protein or animal proteins or carbohydrates or fats. We're able to, you know, ensure that we're getting the vitamins and the minerals and the fiber and all of the, um, all of the goodies that we know we need, right? So I would tend to avoid sugary, uh, you know, sugary beverages, or uh, you know, or just or refined sugars in general, refined carbohydrates. Um, I think that you know, processed meats, processed foods, snacks, etc., um, can be highly inflammatory. As can particular uh, oils. So even if we're looking to cook, like, how do we? Um, stay away from more refined vegetable oils like soy or corn that tend to have uh, inflammatory process, uh, and, and inflammatory result, um, and opt for healthier fats like coconut or an extra virgin olive oil. And then, of course, alcohol, as you noted, is a big one. If we're looking at what foods should we eat, I think it's uh, you know healthy fats, it's uh, colorful. Uh, food right it's it's vegetables and, and and brassicas like broccoli and kale and uh, cabbages uh, nuts and seeds are always going to be really powerful spices are you know uh, incredible ways to introduce powerful anti-inflammatory uh compounds into your into your body cinnamon for example fenugreek and the you know the 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 very kind of the most popular spice right now that I think speaks to uh, inflammation is that of turmeric. But as I noted before, it's really important to be able to introduce black pepper or a pepperin compound into uh, into the turmeric, kind of however you're gonna however you're gonna eat it, uh, to make it more bioavailable. But yeah, I mean, I'm you know my 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 go to is always food. My second go to would be supplements, and then. And I think that we have to also embody a routine that supports, you know, su- supports all of these habits. Right. So making sure that we're moving our body and exercising, making sure that we're getting enough sleep, making sure that we're getting some sun on our face or, and and supporting, you know, supporting our mental health through music or, or dance or uh, human connection is also uh imperative, at least for me.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, th- I, I'm on board with that 100. I'm, I'm curious. I do want to know a little bit more about what it was like to, to sort of grow up with two parents that were in, you know, the sort of alternative medicine space or like holistic medicine mm-hmm. space. But, but before I dive into that, I have to ask. Um, because you're, because you, you know, you're a professional chef, what is your take on avocado oil? Because I've noticed that like avocado has sort of just like boomed over the last how, you know, however many years. And now there's like, you know, cooking with avocado oils and whatnot. Are are there any side effects Mm -hmm. to that? Is it something that you recommend for people? Is it up there with the coconut oils or where does it sort of stand?
1: Yeah. So first off, I like to consider myself a recovering chef. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not running a kitchen. Uh, The people that do that are animals, man. So, I mean, such, such, so intense. So mad respect, but, you know, formerly, formerly a chef, classically trained, but recovering, (laughs) if you will. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, obviously avocado has had its moment. Uh, I have a song about avocado. I love avocados. You know, I think a lot of these oils are certainly you know, like plant-based oils uh, are certainly supportive for for health. I don't personally use avocado a lot. I'm I'm like in my in my pantry, it's really you know nice extra virgin olive oil um, and and some coconut oil, but I do like avocado oil. I think I think it tastes good it's certainly a healthy fat. Uh, I believe that it has a relatively high smoking point. Uh, it's like above 500 degrees. So you can certainly cook with it. Um, whereas, you know, an extra virgin olive oil is going to start to degrade at a lower, at a lower temperature. So I'm a fan. I dig on olive oil. I mean, avocado oil.
0: Nice, awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've we've just started to use it, and I've I've heard good things about it, and it's, um, um, I'm always curious to get people's opinions on on whether or not you know some of the data, some of the research that's out there is legit, or you know whether it's just being sort of fabricated or or put forward by the industry to to try and sell more avocados or more avocado oil. But all right, so l- let's shift a little how bit. Do you like the, think,
1: how do you like the flavor of it,
0: by the way? Uh, I don't. I don't really notice too much of a difference. Like we usually use it for, for, um, making like stir fry and vegetables and whatnot. And honestly, like, I think that's part of the reason why I like it is that it really doesn't have much of a flavor. And so Mm -hmm. it sort of allows, it allows the vegetables to stand out more. Whereas I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes olive oil, um, or, you know, some of the other oils that you can use coconut oil, especially Mm -hmm. will have a very distinct, Flavor totally. profile, and so totally. you know, if you're going to use coconut oil to to cook vegetables, that can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming and, and take over the take over the taste of it. So, but that's that's part of the reason why I like avocado oil.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I mean, coconut oil for me has its, its specific applications, right? But if I, if I was going to be using you know turmeric and and ginger and black pepper, for example, I think coconut pairs really well. But if I just mm. wanted to do a simple stir fry with some salt and pepper. Uh, I think I would default to an oil like olive oil or avocado oil. So I'm going to go and buy an, a bottle of avocado, of avocado oil because of you.
0: <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back on this topic. Um, tell me a little bit about like the, the holistic, you know, sort of alternative medicine side of things. And maybe let's just start with what it was like to grow up in that space, being around an acupuncturist. And what, what else did your parents do? Yeah. So
1: my mom is an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. My father's a chiropractor and acupuncturist. I feel like the luckiest kid or the luckiest guy. Like I, I have so much love and respect for my parents and being able to, you know, learn from them, whether it was intentionally or just simply kind of through osmosis, uh, has really shaped the way that I, uh, live and sort of the, the focuses that I have in my life today. So I love my parents so much and being able to, you know, I was always in and out of the clinic, you know, my parents always had a, you know, a practice, um, they would practice together. And so I, you know, would overhear a lot of, um, a lot of interesting conversations and I was able to, you know, poke around all of the different herbal supplements or ingredients that they had and ask a lot of questions and also be on the receiving end of those healing modalities, right? So whenever something was out of whack, you know, I'd get, I'd, I'd get it realigned. And I do think that that more likely than not, you know, sets sort of a foundation of being very aware of my body. Um, you know, maybe even at some time, maybe at some points, even, even like hyper aware, uh, mm. I mean, you know, too much, but, um, it was incredible, right? I mean, it was really, really incredible. So we always would cook together, would, uh, eat a lot of plant-based meals. Um, I was certainly introduced to, uh, you know, defaulting towards, towards a vegetarian diet, uh, from really as long as I can remember. And, you know of course we we were not vegetarian so we would eat meat and i i don't think there's anything wrong with that if if that's what you want to do but you know we would we would eat it kind of responsibly sourced and not too you know not have too much of it um but yeah i mean i am i feel so grateful to have uh that kind of experience as a as a kid and it really has been such a great uh, foundation for what I do now with, with plant people and being able to create, you know, of course create products, but also be able to look at what we're doing in a very holistic capacity, you uh, know, holistic mindset, right. When we're talking about plant-based medicine or, you know, alternative medicine or alternative medicine in general, in my experience, it's, not a one size fits all. It is very much personalized. It's very much looking at the holistic kind of uh, looking at the whole environment and having a holistic approach to health. And so, yes, at Plant People, we create products that are rooted in hemp and call on a variety of different Healing modalities, whether that's traditional Chinese medicine, Western herbalism, Ayurveda, so on and so forth. But we're also looking at ways in which we can impart knowledge and share other tools for wellness, and you know, whether that's physical activity, um, meditation, uh, or or other kind of supplements. And also, what the implication of our actions as as a business are, right? How do we assume responsibility to building an industry that stands for equity and access and social justice and climate justice and works for everyone, not just a few people involved? Um, how do we start, you know, investing in agricultural systems that are um, supportive for all of the stakeholders? you know, not just looking at super high yields, but how are we sequestering carbon and building soil health? How are we ensuring we have uh, an ecosystem that is uh, encouraging biodiversity in both, you know, plants and animals? How are we ensuring that we're responsible for our waste streams or the watersheds in which we're working with? So I think that the idea of this holistic practice and holistic systems has really permeated into What I do on a daily basis now, and I can kind of trace that back to, you know, my my parents and and what I've been able to learn from them.
0: Mm, I love it, man. And I mean, it sounds like that holistic approach has has really taken root in in what you do with your work today. I'm curious, you know, through all these different modalities. It sounds like uh, you know one of the things that, that came up was sort of tapping into hemp and into the cannabis world. And I'm wondering, I'm curious where the connection came with hemp and cannabis. Where did that come into the picture?
1: Yeah. So when I had had that injury as a kid, I was really looking towards these alternative solutions, right? So my parents were treating me. They were introducing me to herbs and herbalism. I was eating predominantly plant-based diets. And then you know, growing up in in Boulder, there's a lot of cannabis, and uh, so I started going out and experimenting with it, and it really was helpful, and it was particularly helpful when I was uh, sort of integrating it into these other practices that I just noted. And so, about four and a half years ago, um, right, I just kind of like lived my life and was was doing things that felt good for for me, and obviously working in and out of kitchens. It's very physically demanding. I needed to find ways of having like like sustaining my, my body, um, and my mind through those like high stress environments. Um, and then about four and a half years ago, I was on a hike with my now business partner and it became very obvious that there was a lot of people in our community who were looking for, um, you know, alternatives who had heard about this thing called CBD and these things called adaptogens or nootropics, or herbs, what have you, had really no idea what they were, certainly wanted to learn more and had no idea where to buy them. And so that was kind of my aha moment of saying, well, I actually have some experience here and it's changed my life. So why don't we explore what it looks like to be able to share this? And mm-hmm. we began going to different hemp farms and I began reaching out to a variety of practitioners, obviously starting with, with my parents, but then being able to, you know, tap into their networks of people who were experts in different fields of herbalism or, or alternative medicine and kind of picking and choosing, you know, my philosophy was, is sort of maybe rooted in this, this, this chef mentality of being able to pick and choose the things that I most identified with and that I thought were kind of the most impactful. Um, and so my role in creating all of these products has always just been to ask a lot of questions, to, I think, to sort of challenge the status quo of each one of these modalities operating on their own and say, hey, we now can look back upon centuries and centuries of, of plant intelligence. How can we kind of ha- hand pick across these different modalities what we think moves the needle most, package them together in effective ways, and be able to have really positive customer outcomes? And mm-hmm. so that's really what, what I I'm doing now, now with it.
0: Nice, nice. And I, you know, I want to dig into, you You know, CBD, the usages of it. Um, but I, I'm curious if you can just unpack a little bit, you mentioned adaptogens and, and nootropics there before. And for the people that, that maybe have heard of that before, but haven't necessarily dug into it. Can you just unpack a little bit of, of what those, what they actually are? Yeah. So, um, you
1: know the the world of herbs is is huge, and there are a variety of categories. I think that one of the uh, categories getting a lot of uh, sort of buzz right now is are are referred to as adaptogens, and adaptogens are herbs that really support the body's response to uh, to to stress. They respond. They they support a Healthy response to stress, regulating our cortisol. I really like to think of adaptogens as a thermostat to some extent, right? So, so, and in, in any case, herbs, uh, adaptogenic herbs are a set of herbs that work to you know, maintain homeostasis and give us healthy responses to exterior stressors by helping support our, our cortisol, so on and so forth. And so, I really do think of adaptogens as a thermostat, right? If the room is If the thermostat is set at 72 uh, and the room is at 72, we may not notice anything. But as soon as it gets too hot or too cold, it will click on and bring us back to homeostasis, right? Back to that 72, back to normal. So, you know, if I were to think about a chart, right, and my response to stress is plus 50 above and, you know, minus 50 below, when we introduce adaptogens into our regimen, we narrow that that response window so instead of plus and minus 50 maybe it's plus or minus 15 or plus or minus 20 right so it just helps us manage these uh, responses to to stress and adaptogens are actually quite specific i think there are a lot of uh you know a lot of people referring to a lot of uh, plants as adaptogens um because yes Plant, many plants do have adaptogenic qualities or characteristics, but the term of an adaptogen was actually defined by uh, a, a Russian toxicologist, and they have to uh, really adhere to four specific characteristics. Um, uh, they're non-specific, they're non-toxic, they're normalizing, and they're they're nourishing. So technically, there are only a handful of adaptogens, although that name is sort of permeating many different ingredients or or herbs that have some of those characteristics.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. I I mean, I love that definition and I appreciate you breaking that down because I think, for a lot of us that maybe aren't in like the biohacking communities or you know in the sort of like health you know deep into the health communities we hear these terms of like adaptogens and nootropics mm-hmm. and it can be very you know i think a lot of people are sort of like yeah use nootropics to improve your brain function and people are like i have no idea how that functions like where this is coming from so can what's the what's the difference between an adaptogen and a nootropic or are those are those similar things
1: yeah. So adaptogens are really working on, you know, as I had noted, they're really working on modulating, uh, the release of stress hormones, right? And so there's a connection to your adrenal system. Whereas a nootropic is geared towards cognition. And so nootropics are. You know, I I operate in the world of of herbal nootropics. So you know, there are a variety of herbs across these different you know uh, plant based wellness uh, or you know these different modalities. Right? I, I know I keep repeating that word, but you know, there there are a variety of plants that can support cognition. But there are also a set of nootropics that are much more um, compound based and and sort of for lack of a better explanation, like produced in labs, right? So I really enjoy exploring the herbal nootropic world, right? So ginkgo, uh, silostris, bacopa, gotu kola, these are different herbs that support, you know, mental clarity, uh, focus, energy, uh, cognition, retention, what have you. And then there is a whole other subset of different, you know, like more chemical compounds that, uh, would be defined as nootropics, but I I don't necessarily have an affinity towards.
0: Yeah. So more, more along the lines of like the stuff that's made in labs. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, all right, very cool. And so, like, if someone's gonna start to look into using a nootropic, what would they use that for? Is it gonna help mental functioning, clarity, like, reduce brain fog? Like, what what do people need to know if they're gonna go down the path of starting to look into uh, an adaptogen or a nootropic?
1: Yeah, so I... And and by the way, I actually just looked up in this book that I have like some some of the more chemical nootropics, right? The, there's one, three, and seven trimethylxanthine, right? Like that, they're extraordinarily hard to produce um, and the the are hard to uh, sort of pronounce. But another name for that is caffeine, right? So it, it's kind of funny. There's these different veils that exist, uh, but yeah, I think that look if if anyone is looking to begin exploring or experiencing adaptogens or nootropics, um, particularly through the herbal lens, I think it's important to note that these are, are plant based uh, solutions, right? And so with any kind of plant based, with anything plant based, right, it takes time, it takes practice, it takes Regimen and um, patience, and consistently incorporating this into your routine. It's not a pharmaceutical where you take a pill and you're gonna feel like you're blasted to another planet. Um, and so, being able to look at uh, these, you know, the the incorporation, uh, incorporating adaptogens or nootropics into your daily experience is akin to meditation or yoga or any other kind of practice, right? I may feel great if I meditate uh, once every few weeks. Oh great, I did it, but the profound shift really happens when I begin to do that every day or I begin to, you know, eat a salad every day. And and, and that's really my my perspective, right? Is it takes a little bit of routine, it takes uh daily use, and that's when the effects start to sort of take shape.
0: Awesome. Okay, cool. And so let's, let's switch gears here and talk a little bit about CBD and, and hemp. Cause I think that's really, you know, sort of like your, your area and, you know, it's a big part. I mean, it's really what plant people, your, your company and organization plant people um, really do extraordinarily well. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is that you are one of the few companies that I have that I've come across in this space that provide lab reports for your product. And that Mm. really like blew me away um, because there's so many of these companies that are now popping up that are selling CBD, that are selling, you know, mushroom supplements and nootropics and adaptogens, and you don't really know what's in them. You might be able to look on the bottle and they might have some information. But I think the cool thing that you guys Mm. do is you not only educate the consumer, but you also, you know, provide lab reports on what's Specifically in it. And so before we dive too deep into that part, maybe just give the listener some, uh, just some like context for what CBD can be used for and why it's such a powerful, uh, why it's such a powerful component of what we should be uh, integrating into our everyday diet and regimen.
1: Sure. So Uh, CBD is one of, you know, 120 plus compounds that are found in, uh, in cannabis and cannabis is, you know, categorized into either hemp or marijuana based on one of those cannabinoids, which is THC, right? So anything greater than 0.3% THC is going to be considered marijuana. Anything less than 0.3% THC is going to be considered hemp. We operate within the hemp category. Um, but when you grow these plants and you extract them, uh, you have these full-spectrum extracts that are rich in a lot of cannabinoids. And you know, people within the industry or, or within you know, kind of pop culture now are referring to CBD. But I think it's really important to, rem- to remember that CBD is only one piece of the puzzle. CBD is only one um, you know, compound of many that supports uh, you know, positive outcomes. And so, I really think it's important for for you know consumers to understand the difference between CBD as an isolated form, a broad spectrum extract which um, has a few minor cannabinoids, or a full spectrum extract which has more minor cannabinoids, terpenes, uh, flavonoids, fats, waxes. As well as a legal amount of THC. So I think looking at the landscape, right? We're we're talking about CBD as an entire industry, but the reality is the industry, in my opinion, and the power is in the whole plant. It's in hemp, right? There's two. There are twenty thousand industrial uses for hemp. Uh, Dietary supplements is just one of them, and so I think we're really scratching the surface of what amazing things we can do with this plant so people are being able to realize really you know and have really positive experiences with hemp or cbd um which is part of hemp uh and and a lot of the uh sort of anecdotal uh like evidence is pointing towards support with uh stress to support with anxiety with pain inflammation um, uh, you know, sleep. There is a lot of research that has shown the neuroprotective qualities and, and uh, attributes of of hemp and cannabinoids like CBD particularly, hence why we have a product that is utilizing the neuroprotective attributes of uh, cannabis and then coupling them with these other herbal nootropics to
0: support cognition, memory retention, etc. cetera. Um, so- you- yeah. Just, I just wanted to pause you there. Can you go into uh, maybe just a little bit more depth on uh, neuroprotective, what that means? And like, maybe not so much around like the science of it, but like, how does it actually function? What does it mean to be neuroprotective?
1: Yeah. So I think the a, a really interesting example is this study that came out of the Hebrew International University in Jerusalem. There were two sets of, of mice, right? One was introduced cannabinoids uh, the other was not. then they induced brain trauma through both alcohol as well as blunt force trauma the, uh, the the mice that had cannabinoids in their system had far less and I can't remember right now the the actual like percentage of retention um, or sort of like neuroprotection that was that was realized but they they had a lot less damage. Right than, than the, the group of mice that did not have the cannabinoids in their system. So I think you know, it, there needs to be a lot more research to understand how these compounds and how something such as CBD really does support human health, because you know, marijuana is a schedule one, uh, substance in the eyes of the federal government, it's really taken any significant research opportunity off the table. And so, part of what we're asking for is to say, "Hey, like, let's you know, l- l- let's rethink this and open up the opportunity to you know invest in the needed uh, studies and research for us to understand the the power that exists within cannabis." So I think it's a really exciting time, right, because it's very clear that the momentum is in our favor, right? People are normalizing the conversations around cannabis. People are understanding that that it's extraordinarily helpful for human health. And in fact, you know, big pharma, um, a, a large pharmaceutical company patented CBD in their in their, uh, drug called Epidiolex, which is, you know, very large doses of isolated CBD to support with epilepsy. So mm. we can see that, you know, even the pharmaceutical companies are realizing the power, right. And unfortunately that actually created, that actually created a lot of, um, sort of confusion within the industry because all of a sudden now there's an FDA registered drug that contains CBD and people who are using CBD in food or beverage or in dietary supplements, in the eyes of the FDA, that's a no-no, right? This is now a pharmaceutical. You can't include a pharmaceutical in your drink. You can't include a pharmaceutical in your brownie. Um, And that's why I think it's, you know, very important for us to realize that the, the power is not in that one compound CBD alone. Yes, there is power in it alone, but there is a far greater power and opportunity in this plant as a whole in being able to understand and leverage all of the compounds that are present in the plant, not just one, which is CBD.
0: Very cool, and and so what are some of the usages that 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 people can use CBD for? Because I think, you know, one of the one of the things that a lot of people uh, that that I've spoken to kind of get confused about is that it seems like there is such a wide range that it's being presented as right now, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's things like, uh, you know, helping to improve sleep, helping to reduce pain. Uh, you know, helping to reduce inflammation, um, cognition. And so Mm -hmm. maybe can you just break down for the listeners, like, are there different parts of the hemp or different forms of CBD that go towards helping these different modalities? Or like, how does it actually function?
1: Yeah. So one of the interesting things about cannabinoids is they retroactively work on the body. And that's why they do have such a, uh, there's such a breadth of applications. But we've really embodied the philosophy and the mentality that other minor cannabinoids, terpenes or ingredients can support specific sort of conditions uh, uh, better, right? So for example, um, we have a product that is geared towards sleep. It contains CBD, but it also contains a compound called CBN, cannabinol, which is a very powerful compound for sedation um, and and helping people sleep better, right? We also include terpenes, the aroma, the aromatic, kind of the volatile uh, aromatic compounds that make a strawberry, strawberry, or blueberry, blueberry, or raspberry, raspberry, right? Like linalool. Which is in lavender, myrcene, which is in black pepper, and all of those applications have, uh, or all of those kind of inputs also have desired effects for helping calm people. Um, if we're talking about pain and inflammation, yes, CBD is a very powerful anti-inflammatory, but so is CBG, cannabigerol, and CBC, cannabichromine. So our relief solution is really incorporating CBD as a backbone and introducing these other minor compounds like CBG and CBC in conjunction with turmeric, ginger and black pepper and other, you know, anti-inflammatory terpenes to reinforce that specific solution. You know, a a general kind of CBD oil and and I'm always talking I'm definitely talking about this through the lens of full spectrum can be really impactful for helping people manage their daily you know stress and anxiety, and I say all of these with a major asterisk that I'm not making any claims. Right? I think that it's important to understand that there does need to be more substantiated research, but anecdotally, this is what what we're we're hearing a lot of um, of, of support with. So I think that you know the, the people are looking to CBD to support with stress and anxiety, pain and inflammation. We're now kind of uncovering the abilities for it to support with brain health and neuroprotective qualities. The The downstream effect of being less stressed out, right, or having less anxiety may mean that we can sleep easier, we can sleep better. It may mean that we are less stiff or less tense, right? There's a lot of um, symptoms, in my opinion, there's a lot of kind of symptoms that we face on a daily basis that can be... Uh, supported by getting to the root of the issue and oftentimes the root of that issue is an imbalance right an inflammation and a uh you know sort of a, a need for reducing our daily stress and anxiety
0: Very cool man I mean I, I appreciate you breaking it down in that way because I think one of the things that has been sort of elusive with the just the absolute meteoric rise of CBD in our modern culture yeah. is just like its application, the difference. I mean, one of the things that I loved about the lab reports that you guys have on the website, you know, as I was preparing for this is that it does break down for each uh, for each product. It breaks down the mm-hmm. different cannabinoids that are in there. And I didn't even know that there was such a thing as as like a CBN or yeah you know, like all these, all these different types of wines. I was like, Oh my God, like, what is all this stuff? Well, you're definitely going to see it coming,
1: coming kind of out this, this year and the next. And I, and I think, and I appreciate you saying that because, you know, I do notice, right. I am a total like freak about this. I go onto every one of our, you know, competitors websites and I look at the lab reports and quite frankly, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people who say that there are things in in their product that are just simply not there or mm-hmm. they're there in far less quantities so when we start talking about these minor cannabinoid profiles which i think are kind of the, is the next wave of this conversation they're actually pretty challenging to get. So we actually have to grow our, we grow unique plant genetics with the intent of being able to optimize those minor cannabinoid profiles through a variety of extractions. And each one of our products goes through a different extraction to really get an optimized minor cannabinoid profile. And then we formulate and reinforce it with all these other sort of amplify it with these other um, inclusions, right? And so it's not something where you could just buy a general like CBD oil and expect it to be there, right? There's a lot of curation and there's a lot of intention and attention that goes into creating a product um, that has, you know, targeted and robust minor cannabinoid profiles. And so that's a conversation that I think is just kind of starting to happen um, on like in – you know, in mainstream, but I'm exciting. I'm excited to see how it evolves because we're certainly big proponents of it. Um, I also think that the it, the barrier to entry for this category is relatively low, right? Mm. The opportunity for someone to create their own quote unquote CBD company is nearly non-existent, right? You can send someone a PNG with your logo, and you can have you know however many bottles of a CBD oil tomorrow the question is what's in there is it does it really have what's what it says it has is it you know like what's the intention and I think the next layer of that is how is it farmed right I mean the 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 unspoken reality and is, I mean it is spoken in certain communities but of this industry is that it is not a new industry right it's a newly legal industry. And so if we're looking at participating in this category, which is going to show massive growth, how do we do that responsibly? How do we do that respectfully? How do we build an industry that stands for equity and access and social justice and climate justice? How are we making sure that the plants that we are growing are grown with regenerative practices to you know, sequester carbon and build soil health and um, enrich the earth as well as the communities in which it is being grown and the the environment in, in which it's being grown. And so I think that you know it's important for us as as a, as a company and it's important for all of us as consumers sure. to really recognize the opportunity that is in this industry and the responsibility so i always encourage people to just dig a little bit deeper right who is growing these plants are there systems that are are working towards building equity and access right it's undeniable that cannabis is a industry that has that has systemic uh, policy issues and marginalizes people who of uh, you know black and brown people or people in lower socioeconomic sort of brackets and it's not okay right it needs to change so we need to make sure that as we build this industry we build it with integrity and we d- build it with purpose and we make sure that it works for everyone so that includes yes we want to support ourselves in in our um, in our individual wellness but we need to place as much emphasis on that as uh, the health of our communities and the health of our environment. And if we can take care of the health of our environment, we can take care of the health of our communities. We can in turn take even better care of ourselves. So I think that there's a lot, I know that was a mouthful, but there's a lot to this industry. There's a lot of opportunity. And I think there's a lot of responsibility. I feel really grateful to be participating in it. Um, and I really, you know, encourage. Uh, people to continue to be curious and to ask questions and to explore and find companies and brands that they feel are really, um, you know, doing the right thing and not just not just there for profit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I really appreciate you saying all that because I I have seen, you know, as I've dug into this, as I've had a a few people on the show, and I've, you know, researched a lot of the Companies and products that are out there. One of the things that has been so striking to me is like, it's, it's the wild, wild west, you know, like it really is this like cr- interesting industry where there's not a lot of regulation. You, people are, are sort of putting out product where you don't really know what's in it. And I think that's one of the reasons it really truly is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show because plant people seems to be one of the few companies that I've come across that is really uh, advocating for the industry doing this properly and regulating it and informing people about the benefits and the differences between these different types of uh, cannabinoids and and their functions and advocating for more research and and just transparency so look man I mean I I feel like I feel like we could really dive into this, and we didn't even touch on THC, which I want to get into, but I think we'll have to do that for round two, just in in terms of time here, because we're going to have to wrap up. But uh, for the people that want to learn more about you, that want to educate themselves more on this topic, where can they learn more about you and more about Plant People?
1: Yeah, so uh, always, as, as always, follow us on social, at Plant People, um, at Gabe Kennedy. Our website is www.plantpeople.co. Mine personally is my name, gabekennedy.com. But yeah, we we really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be a resource, to answer questions, to you know, to to dialogue, uh, and 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 just simply be a resource for people as they're navigating not only the category of hemp but also plant-based. Uh, healing in general and whether or not you are you know buying our products or interested in buying other products you know feel free to to reach out and um and ask questions we're that's what we're here for we're here to help and we're here to you know to be supportive in any way we can so uh, we welcome that opportunity and thank you so much for having me Connor i really really appreciate it
0: yeah. I mean, I learned a lot, man. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And for everyone that's out there, definitely check out uh, Plant People's uh, Instagram. I was on there today and they were doing this thing on Tuesdays where they are um, you know, putting up questions and educating people, not just on cannabinoids and, and CBD, but really about health and wellness in, in general. It was really uh, quite inspiring. So definitely check them out. We'll have the links to that in the bio, Uh, on the website. So you can check them out there. And if you enjoyed this episode and you know somebody that's interested in this topic, feel free to fire it off to them, uh, share it with a few people and a huge thank you to everyone that has been supporting the podcast. Um, You know, we are well over a million downloads now and just really appreciating all your support on a daily and weekly basis. So uh, don't forget to leave a rating and review, share the episode. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.